like, I don't want to go on. I'm done. And I was at the beach and the beach is my happy place. I love the beach. Yeah. And I was staring out at the ocean and I had my two babies, like the babies that I just dreamed of my two little girls, like playing in the ocean. And I was staring out and I was like, I just, I don't care. I don't want to go on. Welcome to This Seriously Sucks, the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. In these interview episodes, people who've been through major traumas and events that derailed their lives talk about times when they didn't want to go on and share how they did. All our guests are at least 10 years past their big this. They keep it real, pull no punches, and share what they wish they had known when they were in the middle of their this. Now, here is your host, the author of This Is Not The End, who knows what it feels like to want it to be the end, Nina Sossaman Pogue. Yes, this is the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. And I'm so glad you found us. Thank you for sharing some time here. On this podcast, we talk about the lowest moments of highly successful people, the major life events that rock their world and how they got through them because we can all learn from their stories of resilience. Today's guest reminds me of a Hollywood movie. She drove across country to LA to be an actress. Then life happened like it does for so many of us. And then she had a successful career in corporate and she continues to create new dreams for herself and then make them come true. And her name is Megan Judge. And she's a mother of two. She's happily married uh, to her best friend, she says. And she's the host of Judging Megan, where she talks about dark and tumultuous times through humor and levity. So she's in the perfect place to join us today. She has a sharp wit and a wonderful attitude, and she's just a beautiful person. So we are so glad she's here with us. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Nina. I'm so happy to be on and and to meet you in person and see your beautiful face. So thank you for having me. You're so sweet. I love it that we're sort of on the same journey here and that we can share these things. On on this show, we like to start with the kind of successful part of our resume to set the stage for talking about how we got out of darkness. At one point in your life, like many of us, maybe some of our listeners who are listening, you actually couldn't see a bright future. You were in a really dark spot. And for you, um, your trauma, your story for this piece of your life actually began as a toddler. So start us there and tell us a little more about your story. Sort of set the stage for this conversation. So um, my, I had, I was supposedly, according to my mom, a very happy baby, laughing, um, always just a ham from the moment I came out. And uh, my little sister was born, we were almost Irish twins. So we were 13 months apart. And she was born with a very rare liver disease. And my, they had taken her to, chil- to uh, Children's Hospital. I guess she had had a surgery and she came home the night before and they believed, I mean, she didn't have a prop, like a long life ahead. They didn't think she was gonna live a long life mm-hmm. with her prognosis, but you know, they didn't expect what happened. So basically my mom was feeding me breakfast and went upstairs and got Maura, my sister out of her crib and she had passed. And so my mom came down, she was obviously in shock, screaming. And then I saw the paramedics come in. I was left in my high chair for 
a long time. I don't know how long, but a neighbor had to come get me, I guess. And that was really kind of like my entrance into trauma in my life and always living my life in fear. And like with recently in my life, sorry to jump around, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD stemming from that event. And then it was just like thing after thing that kept occurring and was very difficult. You've had loss that you've dealt with throughout your life. I've listened to your podcast and heard your story. So you later lost your father and then you had this wonderful person come into your life as a friend and then you lost this friend. So loss is a big part of your journey that you have managed to get through during the different parts of your life. Share the feelings and sort of what happened during those moments of loss and then and that part of your journey. Well, I think that from the minute I lost my sister and I was so young, I don't really remember any of this. My, my mom and dad would tell me I kind of went backwards. So they had to re-potty train me. I can remember as a little girl after that happened, I was always afraid. I was always afraid if my parents, you know, were going to go, they used to go on this like two week trip every year and we would have our babysitter stay with us. And I can always remember going into my closet and kind of like balling up and being terrified that they weren't going to come back. So I think that I was always throughout my life, always scared of the next thing. Like when is something going to happen again? And being also being terrified of dying myself. Yeah, rightfully so. And when you were what, 12 or 13, you had to go through this again with your father, but he had been ill. So it wasn't sudden, sudden, correct? Yeah. So I think that what's interesting that I kind of have thought about recently that um, in that week that my dad was diagnosed with leukemia, I can remember perfectly. It was like this whole week of like really horrible things happening. I think I was in seventh grade at the time. I went to my first school dance and I had had this boyfriend, his name was Rob, and he was walking to the school dance and a car hit him from oh behind. He flew up in the air and hit his head on the pavement and died. So oh my that was goodness. within the same week of my dad being diagnosed with leukemia. And I really hadn't really thought about that happening until recently. I can picture it perfectly in my in my head where I was like, knew that my dad, you know, was having these issues and that they had told us he was at Georgetown University Hospital that he had cancer. And as a little girl, I was like, that's not good. Like the, yeah. the minute anybody says cancer, you know, it's not good, right? Right, the whole mood in the room changes. You just know yeah. that as a child, yeah. Yeah, and then, but that, what was weird, what was crazy about that is it was, was within the same week of the, like my first boyfriend dying. So it was crazy. Yeah. Those, those two things in itself are enough, enough for a lifetime. Like the first one was enough. And then those two were more than enough. And so I think that it just, I was in denial, I think as a kid, as a lip beat, just being 12 years old, I was in denial about my dad, you know, leaving, like getting sick. I remember, um, he would say, he used to call me baby doll and he would say, I'm going to beat this baby doll. He went through 
three rounds of chemotherapy. And my dad was just like the greatest, funniest, greatest man on the planet. And he didn't make it. And I remember when that happened, I was just, I was in shock again, but I think like that loss, I, I, that was my first time that I went into like the denial mode that it was happening because my brain didn't really know how to process it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was the second, you know, really big loss that I went through. And, and you, I, you said your dad was a wonderful man. I'm guessing you get your, your wit and your humor from him. Maybe you did have a lot of happiness and joy in your life after that, which I think is wonderful for people who are listening, who think I, I, you know, how to, after that, do you just go want to be this brooding teenager for the rest of your life? But you actually had a dear friend and you managed to move forward. How, tell us about that from the teenagers. How did you move forward after your dad? And how did you get out of kind of scary, dark place? Well, my teenage years were, um, were really difficult, but they were also really amazing because the day after I lost my dad, I met my very best friend, Julie. And I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a very nice area in the suburbs of Washington, DC called Potomac, Maryland. And we, we went to the country club and, you know, I was on the swim team and I had lots of friends. And when I met Julie, she kind of, I think was brought into my life to kind of save me in, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I'm very spiritual. I believe in angels. I believe in God. And I, and I definitely believe that things happen for a reason. And I believe that Julie was supposed to come into my life the very next day after I lost my dad. So to answer your question, I think, I think there was a lot of really horrible things happening at home. Like my mom remarried my stepfather and um, he was, there was a show on Bravo called Dirty John. I don't mm -hmm. know if you watched it, but he was literally the original Dirty John. He was abusive. He was physically abusive to my brother. He was mentally abusive to me. Um, so I, I, I escaped the house a lot. I went away to boarding school. So I made a lot of friends. I've just always been like a social person and a glass half full kind right. of person. Yeah, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah, so you were able to tap into that glass half full. Um, I always say uh, when I when I speak and stuff, I show a picture of a glass and it's a six ounce glass with three ounces in it. And I always say it's not half full or half empty. It's just a six ounce glass with three ounces in it. You can decide how you want to look at it. So yeah, you, you, I love you know, that. that's just a fact. That is what it yeah. is. So you yeah. can choose how you want to look at it. The people around you are important after something really tough happens. So you had this new friend, you said boarding school, you probably had new people there who were saying nice things and helping you through this journey, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, you know, Julie's family really became my family. So I pretty much lived at their house when I wasn't away, you know, and I went, like I said, I was, a, I went to boarding school. So that was um, in high school. Um, but I just, you know, I found ways I'm very, I've always been creative. Like I came out at age three and I was like, I have a, I have a stage name. It's Joanna. Like I've just always been somebody that like wanted to perform and 
as, as a kid, I would escape through like theater and I did like, you know, dance and all of that stuff. And so I found joy in being creative and making people laugh. Um, so that was kind of the escape for me to be able to deal with what was really happening. And also that I was pushing down major, major trauma. And I didn't want to accept the things that were happening in my head. Yeah, because at this point, while well, you found, and it's really important for people who are listening and maybe young listeners, if you can find an outlet to have a place to express joy or to express anything, art or music or theater, that's always really helpful, or a sport, that's always really helpful. But at this point, had you gone to any therapy yet? So my parents sent me to group therapy because I was having a reoccurring nightmare as a, as a kid that I killed my sister. Uh which was obviously just because I didn't, I didn't really understand, like my young brain couldn't accept what was happening. So I would have this really horrible dream. And obviously, like I had said that I had kind of gone backwards. So I think when I was about 10, I was, I was just, I was kind of like the crybaby of the family. I was always acting up. I always wanted attention. And my parents were like, we're going to send you to group therapy. So I went to group therapy and I I think I hated it. And then I stopped and then I got back in therapy after I lost my dad. Um, So you had some along the way. I'm a big proponent of therapy and I know we'll talk talk more about that later, but I was just curious at what point in your journey that became a big part. So you had some on and off through this. Yeah. So the people in your life are really important, which I think is key to everyone. Um, In your head at those moments, uh, what types of uh, things were you saying to yourself to keep yourself going? What types of dark stuff was going on in your head? Did you ever have any moments where you just thought, I can't handle this after your dad passed? I think not as much like when my dad passed, like I was a teen, like at that point, like going into my teen years. I did struggle with an eating disorder. Um, That was kind of my way of coping. And, you know, I had a lot of pressure to look a certain way. And I always wanted to be uh, perfect looking and skinny. And, you know, I wanted to be famous one day, like I said. So um, that was just one of the ways I dealt with stuff. But I never really like thought about self-harm when I was younger or like suicide. I mean, like any teenager, you might think about it if like a boy dumps you or something like that, you know, but I wasn't, I think I just, like I said, I really, at that point in my life was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to make it in Hollywood. And I'm just going to escape all of that, which I, I mean, I hate to say that it was delusional because I don't think it was, you know, it helped you get where you were going. Yeah. It just was my, my toolbox that I was given to help me be like, I am going to get out of this situation. I'm going to leave this house. I'm going to get away from this man. You know, I, I know I'm supposed to be doing something else and with my life. I talk about that in my book. Uh, One of the things that's really important when something really difficult is happening is to have a envision a future that's different. And then go after that. You have to have someplace that you want to get to instead of just focusing on where you are right now. So knowing there's something out there you want to do, whether it's something crazy, like, you know, 
as an adult, I always joke, you can just sell all your belongings and get an RV and drive around the country like, or take up pincushion art or something bizarre. Yeah, it's like whatever is going to work. It's whatever's going to work for you. And I know I listened to one of your podcasts and something that struck me was you said, I'm never going to tell somebody what they're like, how they are supposed to be feeling or like whatever their mental health journey is. And that struck me. And so everybody's different, but that was my way of being like, I'm getting out of here. It, it gave you something to work for. And half of what you need when you're going through something tough is the ambition or the drive to go after something else and not stay where you are, just some way to move forward. So that's really important. Tell us about moving to Cal, moving out to Cali. So when does, when does this, you decide I'm going to go make this, I'm going to be a superstar. So you move out, Wes? <laughs> so I was a theater major in college. Um, I, I just always wanted to do this. I was always singing. I was always dancing. And I wanted to be on a soap, which is so random. Like I didn't even, <laughs> I, love I don't it. think I really thought like bigger, yeah, bigger than a soap. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to be on a soap. And for life so and just I, be there. You know, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. Like I wanted to be like the next Susan Sarandon at that yes. point. So I got, I got in my, um, in, I had a white Jeep Wrangler because I thought I was sharing clueless, which is pretty funny. Um, I drove to Charleston where you are. Wow. My mom at that time lived on Kiowa and uh-huh. I was like working in the restaurants and trying to save money. So I could, so I could move to LA. And then when some random person that was a friend of a friend was like, oh, I heard that you're moving to LA. I'm leaving and I'm just going. And I was like, okay. And I got in my Jeep and I drove cross country. I knew nobody, like literally nobody. Wow. And so I drove cross country and I, I started working in all like the nightclubs and, you Mm -hmm. know. I lived that I dated celebrities. I knew every doorman at every nightclub. And that's, (laughs) that was, that's what I did. I think that that's a dream of a lot of folks. And I really admire you for going for your dream. I'm big into, if you don't go for your dream, you don't try, you'll never know. So you went out there to do this, but then you, it it, it doesn't work out uh, like it does for 99.9% of the people who try that. Uh, But you end up uh, with a really good corporate gig. And then that is, yeah. but then other things happen in your life and it really yeah. takes a turn for the worse. I had gone into corporate America. After, like I did a bunch of sales jobs to get to the place where I was. But um, when I was about 29, I lost my, I lost Julie. She died very, very tragically. Um, she, she was giving birth to her son, Logan, who's my godson. And when they connected the, the spinal block, the, mm-hmm. the two tubes, the anesthesiologist didn't see that one of the tubes wasn't connected. So it was airborne. So the strep virus got into her spinal column and like basically swelled her brain. So she oh. died. She died, like, I think two days after giving birth to Logan. And she wasn't just just a friend. As we mentioned, she came into your life the day after your father passed and she was much more than just a friend who passed away. Yeah. She was, she was like a, like in a weird way, like a soulmate 
a soulmate doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, romantic in my opinion. It could be two souls that are, have like, are supposed to know each other. And I always thought that about her from the minute I met her. So when I lost Julie, so tragically, that is still hard to talk about. It, it was the worst thing that I've ever gone through. And, you know, not to mention the fact that she was just, she was not of this world. She was the most incredible person. And that happened. That was, that was when I think I really was like, what, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I go on without my best friend? How do I do this? And and why did this happen? And um, I think I just, after that, um, I think I've, I was like, okay, I'm going to throw myself into being a good person. I'm going to, I'm going to like, try to be a better person. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to, cause I think I lost a lot of my faith after my dad died through my teenage years. I just wasn't spiritual. And mm-hmm. I was always kind of like the nightmare, like Julie would get mad at me because I I've, I've always loved to shop and you know, I always had to have like design everything designer and I always dated like the bad boys, you know, like <laughs> I didn't ever like the guys that liked me. I had to like, like the really bad guys that were like, do that, you know, that just weren't nice. Yeah. Um, and so she would always be like, Megan, like, why are you doing that to yourself? So I always have this joke that I was like the devil on the shoulder when we were teenagers and kids and she was the angel. So, um, so yeah, when I lost her, it was just really horrible. And then I kind of threw myself back into spirituality and you tried to be, to be a the better angel. person. Yeah. You want yeah, to be I was like, angel. now I have to back. be, yeah, yeah. I was like, now I have to like do what Julie wanted me to do, you know? Yeah. I think in, in our lives, when we have a loss like that, that's when it, it not, like, like, doesn't make sense. You mentioned that the trying to figure out why is this happening? How could this happen again? That's one of the reasons we do this podcast because a lot of people are there after that loss. You just feel like, how can I ever be happy again? Share with me a little bit about how that felt and then how you managed to get through it. I know you still choke up when you talk about it and it's hard to think about, but if you wouldn't mind talking about like in those moments, how do you keep going and find happiness again? Again, I think with that, I had to try to escape again. Like it was like, I have this cycle where I push things down throughout my life. Just, you know, I remember going to church and just like sitting there and being like, how, like, why, like, why did this happen? Like, I, like, you know, to take away my, like that person was just really horrible. And I, and I was angry at God. I think I was just, you know, I was trying, I was just in a weird place. Like where half of me was like, I have to be like Julie and be a better person. And the other half of me was like, but why take away that one person, you know? So yeah, I mean, sorry, I get like, when I think about her still to this day and she's been gone I mean, I'm in my forties. So she died at 28. So she's been gone a while, but I, I will, like, I say this all the time, a part of my body 
is missing. Like my part of my heart will always be missing without her. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to share because it's, and people going through this type of loss, people who've lost a child, similar, like it's a piece of you that you can't get back. Uh, I think the, the hard thing to do is figure out how to keep going without that piece of you. Yes. How, how do you keep going? Because you did, you went on, had your own children. And since she died in childbirth, that had to be traumatic. So in those moments, um, along with questioning God, I have a whole chapter on that in my book, in my own story. I felt like if God made, everybody said that God has a plan. I'm like, well, if this is his plan, like God's an asshole. I'm not, I'm out. So I had a weird, like, yeah, I hate it when people say that, like oh, you, yeah. when people say God has a plan, it's oh. like, no, God, my God did not plan this. There's no. just that there's just bad things that happen. And, and I say this a lot. Um, I love, this is, you know, that, that poem footprints in the sand. Yeah. It was like in everybody's house when I was a kid, like everybody's mom had the bookmark, you know, <laughs> yes. and I always think that during those really dark times in life, like when Julie died or like when my dad died, I feel like God is more with you than he is, was prior, you know, like he, God's always with you, I believe, but that I always think of that poem because it makes me be like, oh, he was carrying me. He was carrying me during those times. And I really leaned on that to kind of get me through. And then like I, I got, I was, got married and I had things to look forward to. Like, I know you're a mom too. So you like, are like so excited to have your babies and it's like this whole new escape. So you know, I wasn't an actress anymore and I wasn't a singer and I wasn't pursuing becoming like famous, but I was like, oh, I, I, I get to be a mom. And it's so fun because you have all these things to look forward to when you have babies. And it was such a happy time for me. So then you have like one baby and then you're like, well, I can't just have one baby. I have to have <laughs> two babies, you know, because I loved babies. I loved having babies. I loved, I loved being loved by, by my, you know, the way yeah. that you hold them. And I just oh, love And then that. they fall asleep on your chest and you're like, yeah. Just and I would like sing to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was like another escape for me is just like that point in your life of just being like, okay, I have this to look forward to. And then I have this to look forward to. And I kind of use it as like an analogy of, you know, when you have like a really big party to go to or a wedding, Mm -hmm. and you're super excited. You're like, oh, I get to go to this wedding and I'm going to see everybody and I'm going to wear this dress and I'm going to look really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wedding or the holiday is over. And then you're just kind of like, what next? Mm -hmm. And I think after I had my second, who's now seven, and then I had a really bad friend breakup in the past two years, like where this girl in a lot of ways I had, I think put, like I was looking for another Julie. Oh, gotcha. And, and that can be person a person was yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. This person was not Julie. Let's say that. And there's no way they could win. <laughs> no, no, no. They had big shoes to fill, but also women can be really mean to each other. And I live in an area where it's all about what you look like and money. And, you know, it, 
like superficial, you know, and it's keeping up with the Joneses and, um, and that's all uh, over America too. That's not yes. just, that's probably, I can yes. see it would be worse in LA, but for anybody yeah. listening, who's like, oh no, that's the same in my little, you know, suburb in Topeka, Kansas or wherever you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere. And women can be tough on women. And there's this big push to be perfect and look right and have your kids look right. Oh my gosh. Once you have children, there's a whole new level of expectation. Yeah. Yes. So I think I, this is a long-winded story, but after that happened, um, where the fr- I had this friend breakup, that is when I, all of the stuff that I had pushed down for all of that time just came up. It was like, I was, I felt abandoned. I had major abandonment issues stemming from childhood. It was just everything. And it all came to a boil. And that's when I was like, I remember being like, I don't want to go on. I'm done. And I was at the beach and the beach is my happy place. I love the beach. Yeah. And I was staring out at the ocean and I had my two babies, like the babies that I just dreamed of my two little girls, like playing in the ocean. And I was staring out and I was like, I just, I don't care. I don't want to go on. And that's, that was like my lowest low. And it was when I knew like I really needed help and I needed to not push these things down anymore. When you start having those thoughts, it really is a time and and people should notice those thoughts. So if you are going through a tough time right now and you have these thoughts, you need to take note of them. They are very real and they can send you down a bad path. So at that point, you said your husband was very supportive. I'm guessing you told him or you got some therapy. Where did you go from there? So I think like I was also in a, in a job at that time. Um, and this was like the beginning of COVID, but I already was having issues because the friend breakup was like two years ago. So for like a solid year and then going into COVID, I was just like in the darkest place, but I, I did go, I was, this is actually kind of a funny story. I was getting Botox, believe it or not, because which <laughs> I missed during do. the pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was sitting in the, in the chair, at like getting Botox, this is probably like two years ago like a little bit after the friend breakup and I just started crying. And the, the girl that was giving me the Botox happens to be a friend as well. Sorry, my dog is barking. That's okay. So um, the girl that was giving me Botox happens to be my friend as well. And she goes, Megan, are you okay? And I go, no. And she's like, okay, I need to, you need to go see Dr. Day. And so I met my therapist. And what's interesting about my therapist is she was married to Jordan Balfour, who's the Wolf of Wall Street. So Margot Robbie plays her in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, and I had seen The Wolf of Wall Street and I knew she was in the area where I live in Hermosa Beach, but I just was like, okay, I'm going to go see her. Cause she's kind of like in our community, we live in Los Angeles, but the beach community is really only like a two mile radius in these beach towns. So, so everybody like knows a, everybody. Yeah. It's like a small town, it, mm-hmm. but within LA. So a lot of women were going to Dr. Nay, you know, and they were like, oh, she's helped me so much. So I remember walking in and seeing her. And like I had said earlier, I had been kind of in 
in and out of therapy in my life, but going to therapy is kind of like dating, right? Mm -hmm. You go to a therapist and they just like take notes and you're like, this is not a fit. Like, I don't want to go on a second date with you. No, I had one, I went in and they, she sat down. It was right after I'd had my accident with my Mm. friend's child and I was really in a bad place. And her first thing was, well, let's think of a happy place. And I was like, yeah, there's no fucking happy place in this head. Like there isn't one. So that did not work for me. So you really have to find somebody who fits with your person and that would work for other people. But for me, I needed something a little different. So yeah, you had to date a few of them to find the right You have to date a few. And I've got my, like, I've gone to some not good ones. And so when I met, when I met Dr. Nay, I immediately just took to her and she was real. And, you know, a lot of times you go to therapy and it's like, they're like, well, how do you feel? And they just take notes and they don't tell like their own stories. And the reason why I connects connected so much with her is because she was like, I understand because such and such happened, or I can relate. So that for me, that's the kind of therapy I needed. And I told her, I was like, I just, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. I don't know how to get through this. I continued to like wake up in the middle of the night. And it was almost like my body was a refrigerator. That's how, what I say. It's like, you know, how the old school refrigerators would like start up and they'd be like, I can't really explain it. Like, and then they shut down. That's what my body was doing. So in my head, I felt like, oh no, you're dying. You're dying right now. Like my brain was telling me that. So I would wake up gasping for air and I would grab my husband and say, I'm dying, I'm dying. And that's what the panic attacks that I was having a lot. And so then I went and got put on medication. Like Dr. Nath put uh, put me in touch with the psychiatrist. And ever since that, that was probably like a year ago, I've been on Zoloft. And it makes all the difference in the world because it stops that loop going on in your head that's going to keep triggering. You can't stay in that place. So yeah, I I love that you're willing to share that because a lot of people don't like to talk about the meds they're on. And there's a reason they're out there. They are needed for some people and it makes all the difference in the world. Well, in my opinion, you know, there's such a stigma on mental health. So that's part of why I started my whole podcast and I can kind of go into that too. But Um, I say this a lot. If you had a broken arm and you just like, didn't put a cast on your arm and you just let your arm flail, it's a, it's a part of your body, just like your brain is part of your body. And there's, it's not my fault that I needed to be put on medication from something that was stemming back from severe trauma in my life. It's an injury, it is just an injury. like if you hurt your arm or you needed knee surgery or whatever it is. So it's a part of your brain that's triggering and you yeah. don't have control over that. Yeah. So I'm very open with, I mean, I might not be on Zoloft for my whole life and, but I'm on it now and I don't have panic attacks and I would rather not have a panic attack anymore and be able to like not wake up and think I'm dying or think about wanting to kill myself anymore. And if that means, I mean, I would have done anything to not have those thoughts anymore. And it doesn't mean, by the way, for anybody that's listening to this, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm still on my journey of healing 
and 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 I have done like so much work on myself. And when you're hurt, you have to go to physical therapy. Like if your body is hurt. So my, my brain is in physical therapy. That's that, the way I like to think about it. That is a wonderful way to put it. And then, and, and that leads right into the next question I was going to ask. And I ask all of our guests this, do you feel like you're past it? Do you feel like, cause people are like, let me just get past this moment where I'm, it's all dark and I, how do I get past this dark space? And different people say, yeah, it's been this many years and I feel like I'm past it. Um, had an addict on who said, no, this is a lifetime of, uh, you know, knowing that this is part of me. So, and you just said you're on this journey of healing and you're still in physical therapy. I like that physical therapy for your brain, but mm -hmm. you don't, do you think you'll ever be past it? Do you feel like there's going to be a point where you're like, yep, I'm good. Uh, I don't know the answer because I'm still in it. Like I would say I'm like 75% there. Like if I could give it a percentage, I still have my bad days, but we all do. We're all people, you know, everybody's going to have a bad day. Oh, and but the last year has been a mess. The yeah. last year has been a mess. We've all been trapped in our houses. So, but then I think about like, oh my God, like, this is so cool. I have my really, really good days. And I, I, I read some quote recently that was like, don't get like, don't give up. Like if you're suicidal, cause your best, you still haven't had your best day. So I think I still haven't had my best day. And whenever I'm having a bad day, I tell myself that. That's a great way to look at it. And I can put it back to an analogy we talked about earlier when you talk about when you have a baby and you know how they fall asleep on your chest. And you're like, oh, it just doesn't get any better than this. Well, from a mom who's raised three kids to adultishhood, uh, I remember the, like the first time they had some great success. I was like, oh, it just doesn't get it. Like in, in middle school, like, oh, it just doesn't get any better than this. Or the first time that they go out on a date and they come home all happy. You're like, oh, it just doesn't get any better than this. So there's all these moments. And when they get into college, you're like, yes, it just doesn't get any better than this. So there's all these moments ahead that you could never have imagined when you were in this really dark space, not just having the baby or having them fall asleep on you. You liked being a mom of babies. I was okay with it. It wasn't my favorite. I loved being a mom of teenagers. I'm telling you when these people became like people I could hang out with and have fun with, I really loved those years so much. So you're it just, you just can't even imagine what's ahead. You just don't even yeah. know what's out there. That's just going to be so freaking cool. Yeah. 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 I'm excited for those. I mean, I'm part of me is terrified because I have two daughters and I know <laughs> how bad I was. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, please don't dance on bars. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, they will. Oh, they will. Yeah. Yep. Yep. My, yeah. uh, so mine are uh, 21, 22, 23 right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, I know. So I had the two and then the middle one was a gift from the second marriage, but they've been together since they were four, five and six. So it's been a long time, but yeah. So, so cool. now I can like go hang out with your kids, you know, the boys. So we go to a sports bar or something and it just, and, and there are moments I look around the room, like, wow, like just who could have imagined how cool this would be to hang out with my kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those, you just don't know what's around the corner. Those best days are still ahead. We've hiked mountains together, you know, I just, cool stuff that you never would have imagined when you were in those really dark places. So yeah, I, I think that's a great lesson for folks who are listening. You just don't know what's coming tomorrow. 
you don't know and you can't even imagine it but when it comes you're gonna be really glad you stuck around for it <laughs> yep yep you never know you never know if you're gonna like cousin brenda's wedding as much as you are gonna like cousin's brenda cousin brenda's wedding right yeah yep you never know well, this has been fantastic. And I think a lot of people listening can relate to your story and relate to this sense of loss. I mean, we, none of us know exactly how to deal with it. We all deal with it differently. And um, some of the things that you've said, I'm sure resonate with folks. We always end with these same three questions. Are you ready for to jump into our questions here? I am. Okay. The first, what, if you could go back and let's, for this one, let's use after, after Julie passed and say it was like a week after when you're really in the funk, uh, what would you go back and whisper to your younger self and say to you in those moments when you were just really at a loss? I think I would say, keep going. Your best days are ahead. And the best days are that are ahead, that doesn't mean there's like, you know, the whole thing my mom used to say, peaks and valleys. So like I've been in a valley for a while, but there's been so many peaks since she died. And if I would, if I were to look back right after she died, I remember my husband and I, like, I, that's when I was like, when are we getting married? When are we getting married? When are, you know, like he was like, I'm not ready to get married. And we were young, but I remember being like, all I want to do is get married and have my two babies, you know, and I, I got married and I have my two baby girls and I always wanted girls. Wow. That's a great way to think of it. Just keep going. You just don't know. We had one guest that was on it said, joy is coming in the morning. You just don't mm -hmm. know what's ahead. You do not know what's ahead. Something is coming that you can't even imagine. Uh, and who knew you would have two girls? You could end up with two boys. That would, you know, you just, you got your dreams hand true there. So you didn't know that I just, coming. if I had boys, I'm not a boy mom. I, I, <laughs> I would feel bad for those boys. Cause I'd be like, come on, let's go to tap class. Like they would have hated me. Yeah. I was who meant did? to have girls. <laughs> they came into your life for a reason. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next question is one thing, you know, now that you wish you knew then. Um, I would say, I wish I knew that God was picking me up. Like I talked about the corny footprints in the sand poem and that God was with me in those darkest times, like where I didn't understand why he took Julie or I said he took Julie. God didn't take Julie, you know, um, and how important faith is in your life and have that you're always surrounded by angels. And I know my angels, I'm huge on signs. So my sign is a, is a butterfly. And so anytime I see a butterfly, I know that Julie, that's Julie coming to see me. That's fabulous. And yes, the you're not alone piece for people who mm -hmm. are in it right now. I think that's the message in that is you're not alone. It feels like you are and you're angry that God did whatever God did, but in that moment, you're really not alone. And it takes us a while to understand that, I think. hundred yeah. percent, yeah. yeah. Okay, last question. One thing, say our, our listeners are in a similar situation, they've lost someone they love. Um, one thing our listeners can do today 
to help them get through their own big this, whatever it is they're going through? That's an interesting question because I think when you're like in the thick of loss, like you might be in such a dark place that you can't even lift the curtains up in your room and you just want to be like in bed all day or you just want to eat, you know, a gallon of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, whatever it is, or you want to throw yourself into, you know, I drink Chardonnay. I like a buttery Chardonnay. So you want to drink a buttery Chardonnay. I would say just know that you have to be, be gentle on yourself. So if that means you need to sit in a dark room and eat, eat a gallon of Ben and Jerry's, eat the gallon of Ben and Jerry's. If you need to drink the buttery Chardonnay, which I enjoy a Rombauer, drink the Rombauer. But then every day you say, do something for yourself that day, take a step you know, out outside, open a window, do something small, reach out to somebody. If you're struggling, there's gotta be somebody that you can reach out to, you know, and, and people that are alone and lonely, like there's somebody, there's always somebody there. That's so important to hear because I think people, when they are in the thick of it, one, feel alone, and two, feel like they're helpless. And you're not helpless. You have choices and you have things that you can do. And do be kind to yourself. One of the things I talk about is if you were talking to a child and you were helping them through this, what would you say? Now say that to yourself because we're tougher on ourselves than we are on anybody else. So what language would you use if a child was sitting in front of you going through what you're going through? And now turn that around and say it to yourself. And if it's Ben and Jerry's or bourbon and ginger ale in my case (laughs) if you need a good bourbon and ginger or you need some I will do Ben and Jerry's with you any day okay Um, yeah yeah that's that's some some good stuff goes to my brain when I do Ben and Jerry's there's some good dopamine involved yeah 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 yeah. so whatever you need to kind of get you to um, a moment where you're you know it it does it puts some happiness in your life Um, and whether that is looking out the sunshine and find trying to open that window take that move forward you have choices so thank you so much for sharing all this time with us, Megan, appreciate you. And I'm sure that, the, as I said, that some of the things that you said really resonated with our listeners today. So how can they follow you or learn more about you? So you can follow me at judging Megan on Instagram. It's my, my name is Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N. I was the original princess. So Megan Markle stole my name. <laughs> Um, so you can follow me on Instagram and I love when people message me, like if you're, like I say, if you don't have anyone else to reach out to, or you're struggling, send me a message. I promise I'll answer you. Check out my podcast. It's called judging Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N. Yeah. Those are the two main places. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks so much, Megan. And thanks to everyone who's listening. It is when we talk about the really tough stuff. Uh, we all get stronger. So whatever you're going through, you've got this. The you 10 years from now, the you 10 years from now is counting on you to get through this. 
This has been another episode of This Seriously Sucks. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Nina Sossaman Pogue and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. For more resources or to share your story or to get a free copy of my book, go to mythis.club. There is a whole club of folks out there who want to help you get through this.